0: New, Grove. New, Grove. New, Grove. New Grove. Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where Grove. one of our core values is Christian education. New Let's Piney tune in Grove. to this week's message. As we continue our series about the family and this month, blueprints that God has designed for His people. And this month specifically has to do with the husband and wife. So if you gaze at the title, Nonfit Helper" or Hurt Meat. Those of you who are familiar with the King James Version poetic language probably recognize the play on words on the title. See, when God stated that it's not good for the man to be alone, he immediately says, I will make a help meet for him. The Revised Standard Version of the Bible says, fit for him. And you know how you know there's certain things just fit. You can't put a square peg in a round hole. Fit for him. God indeed designed the woman to be the man's helper, not a hindrance. But from looking at our text, we can see that wives are not always helpers because they're not a good so for you people that are not married yet you pay close attention make sure that whoever he or she is fits the name Jezebel has long been associated with ungodly and wicked women but what happens in our text is not entirely Jezebel's fault. Her husband, who was king of Israel, was just as responsible, if not even more. <clears throat> so, so on this men's Sunday, let's look at Jezebel's husband. Fatal error that cost him his life, and his kingdom. Before we go anywhere else, let me get the bottom line. The bottom line, Jeff, is the fact that he did not follow God's blueprint for marriage. He did not follow God's blueprint for marriage. And I want us to look this morning, I gleaned seven violations that we can Look at in our texts, <laughs> and I think the first one may be the most important one. Number one, he unequally yoked himself. Understanding the principle of the yoke is where there's a wooden bar that they will put on one uh, oxen neck that was stronger. And close the other side of this contraption to the weaker animal, and they would be going around together. And the Bible is explicit; it tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. This brings us to our first passage of scripture to back that up about his mistake. It's in First King chapter sixteen, verse thirty. Read this. Ahab, the son of Umri did evil, did evil in the sight of the Lord, get this, more than all who were before him. Talking about God's people. It came about as though it had been a trivial thing. Now, I stop right there for a minute. A lot of times, we want to put the word of God as an advice book or a good help. This, this thing wasn't a trivial thing to him, for he walked in the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And notice, here it is what was trivial, what he do evil, that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He married a woman who did not share his religious conviction, his religious belief. The name Ethbaal means Baal's man. Man of Baal, but Baal's man. He, he was Baal's man. So this marriage required him to worship her God, Baal. But the Bible brings out a point in the New Testament. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Notice he said, but he served Baal. And since he could not serve two masters, Ahab abandoned Jehovah for Baal. And I got several teaching points and I'm going to bring something else out right now. What have you abandoned? What have you have abandoned for God? Deacon Walker was talking this morning about some things and I thought about the NFL. Now they got the XFL. I think they kick off the Reverend Ross mentioned about how pretty a day it is. Is it too pretty of a day for you to come to church and worship? I know your car needs washing. Your clothes as well need washing. You've been working all week. Football game, basketball game may be coming on. Got to cook. Be careful because you end up abandoned. God for these things. So number one, he was unequal to yoke. Number two, his pride caused non-acceptance of his limitations. Non-acceptance of his limitation. Chapter 21, verse 2 reads, Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it's close besides my house. And I will give you a better vineyard than this It in this place. If you like, I will give you a, the price of it in money. Although he was the king of Israel, what he realized or what he didn't realize is that he could not get everything he wanted or have his way all the time. Now in his mind, this offer sounded fair to him, but what he were, were was requesting went beyond his authority limits. I'll explain that in a minute. Here's the teaching point. Brothers, you may be king of your castle, but you are called to protect and serve. The Bible says that there's a way that seems right unto a man, but that way leads to destruction. That's why you need to follow the blueprint. We need to accept our limitations according to God's word. That There are certain things we cannot do, even though we think we're big and bad enough. Number three, he allowed his personal desire to supersede God's law. He allowed his personal desire to supersede God's law. Look at verse three. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my father. You see, when God's people reached the promised land, the land was divided by Joshua according to families as an inheritance from Jehovah. And God commanded, you'll find this in Leviticus 23, that these families could not sell their land. It had to stay in the family. So neighbor was just being obedient to the law. I mean, I'm sure that the offer may have been pleasing to him, but he was he so was loud that he was not going to violate the law. And this cost him his life. Another teaching point that I really don't have is sometime I was sharing with the boys this morning, standing up for Christ is going to cause you to be rejected and might even cause you your life. Number four, he violated the law of God for personal reasons. Ahab knew that the law forbidden him to pursue another uh, fellow Hebrew's property. He knew that. But he wanted it anyway. The law of God did not matter to him. What did I just say? The law of God did not matter to him. What did I just say? Okay. He wanted something that illegally belonged to another man. Huh? Now, the reason I'm putting this point is because of the teaching point. Are uh, y'all listening, brothers? You see, if she's not your wife, she belongs to another man. Y'all ain't getting it. Even if she ain't married, and she ain't your wife, she belongs to another man, even if it's the future. When you pursue a woman... To satisfy your personal desire, you are violating God's law. I know you don't like it, but it's the word of God. If she ain't your wife, she ain't fit. Number five, he opened the door for his wife to assume his God-given responsibility. He opened it door for his wife to assume his God-given responsibility. Verse four. So Ab came into his house so and vexed, because of the word which the neighbor, the Jezreite, had spoken to him. For he said, "I will not give you the inheritance of my father." So he laid down on his bed, turned away his face, and ate no food. You see, brothers, Ahab refused to man up. In fact, he manned down. And when you man down, you less than a man. He should have been willing to accept Naboth's decision and respect it. But Ahab's feeling was hurt, and Like a two-year-old, he fell on the sofa, turned his face toward the wall, and refused to eat. These were actions of immaturity. He pouted like a small child. Teaching point. Men, you're man down because you don't like confrontation. And I know some of you well enough to know you all like me. You don't like confrontation, especially when it's with your wife. But being the head of the household... It's your God-given responsibility. Are y'all listening to me? Because re- responsibility comes with liability, which leads to accountability. Responsibility comes with a liability. God put you in that position, you're in there. And he's going to hold you accountable for how you rule your own castle. As a man, sometimes we just got to suck it up. As men, sometimes we just got to bite the bullet. She may not speak to you for a week. All the parents who she may not speak to you for a month. May refuse to wash your clothes and pile up in the corner. You just got to suck it up. Now let me, let me explain this thing about suck it up and bite the bullet. Suck it up is a military term. It was when the pilots well flying a plane, they have the mass and they go into an atmosphere where they can't breathe. A lot of time the the, the, the gravity, or they call it the cheese force, will call them to regurgitate, to vomit. And they will vomit right in their mass. At that point, they had a choice. They could drown in their vomit or they could suck it up. No, it ain't good. But it'll save your life. Now to bite the bullet. You see, some of y'all seen these old Western, you know, when they get ready to to do some type of surgery take another, they put the bullet in mouth telling the bite heart. It didn't ease the pain. But it gave you something else to focus on. So you gotta just suck it up and bite the bullet. Number six, he set a poor example. Of leadership. He said a poor example of leadership. Verse 7 of 1st King 21, Jezebel his wife said to him, do you not reign over Israel? Arise, eat bread, let your heart be joyful. I, I, I will give you the vineyard, a neighbor the Jezreelite." Jezebel worried he is filled with sarcasm they were not words that she was concerned about him they were words of rebuke I can imagine her putting her hand on her hip as she was a sister and saying ain't you king of Israel you see in Jezebel's culture the kings took what they want so Jezebel was shocked that Abraham was go on his bed and pout and wouldn't refuse to eat. She couldn't understand why he just didn't take the vineyard. And since she was coming from the culture of the Sidonians and not concerned with God's law, she made up her mind. Since he didn't do it, she took it upon herself to do it. This is the problem a lot of times in our household, especially men that or procrastinators. Some work in the house that the man should do only, but we so lazy or we messing around, and she'll say, I'll do it myself. <laughs> Setting a poor example, I must be hitting somebody home. <laughs> poor example of leadership. You can't lead from behind, fellas. Suck it up. Bite the bullet. Yeah, it, 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 here, here's an important teaching point because I know a lot of y'all going through it right now. Once you lose control, you lose respect. Certain things in the household, once you lose control, you lose respect. And respect cannot, you can't go home now. Pastor Dave said this. <laughs> respect can't be, it can't be demanded. It can't be bought. Respect has to be earned. And once lost, hear me now, it's real difficult to get back. See, some of y'all already gonna make the mistake. This message ain't for you. You just got to bite the bullet. There's some of y'all that's getting ready to jump that broom. You better make sure you can jump. (laughs) And finally, number seven, he allowed his wife to assume authority over the kingdom. The house you live in, fellas, that's your kingdom. Verse 11 says, So the men of the city, the elders and the nobles who lived in the city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them, just as it was written in the letter which she had sent. You see, to make this thing right, she, she made it look like it was a religious act. Protecting God's glory and the king's honor. So she told them to go down there in the square of the city where Nabal lived and, and, and have two men to come up and say that Nabal has blasphemed God and the king. And they did. Look at verse 21 with me, or excuse me, verse 14. Then they said word to Jezebel saying, Nabal has been stoned to death. When Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession. Y'all hold that thought. Take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreite, which he refused to give you for money. For Naboth is not alive, but dead. You see, she had taken Ahab's signet ring. It was a sign of sovereignty over the kingdom. Had a special little design on it that when they rolled out, it, put a piece of wax and then you push it down and that made it official. She sent a letter out to all the elders, tell them to kill Neighbor, and she sealed it with the king's ring. Uh, the elders, they feared this woman. They fear for their own life. They knew she had seized power. So they carried out her plan just as she said. I, I, I found something out in studying This It's an interesting side note that's often missed in the story. You see, the line of inheritance fell on neighbor's sons after his death. Remember I told you to hold that take possession. The law required that the only way that the government could take possession is if there was no heirs. So in order for him to take possession they had to kill his sons as well. And this is verified in 2 Kings 9.26 where it says not only he killed Naboth but he killed Naboth's sons as well. All because he allowed her to assume authority. Verse 16 said, when heard, when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab arose to go down to the vineyard of the Jezreelite, to do what? Possess it. Now, Jezebel was directly responsible for Naboth's death, but Ahab was ultimately responsible since Jezebel had used his name in the letter that signed his death. And I can imagine if you would see his tombstone. I mean, you go ahead and read the story, but the bottom line is that fact that God sent a prophet to Ahab and told them that uh, the the dogs that lick neighbor's blood is going to lick yours as well, and the dogs are going to eat Jezebel, and all that did happen. But I can imagine there was a tombstone on King Ahab's grave. It would say this, recorded in 1 Kings, chapter 21, verse 25. There was none who sold himself, sold himself, to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. And I know I'm gonna be dealing with something next week. Talking about what to do if you're married to a fool lady. So <laughs> that will let you know what I'm talking about next week. But if you're going to, incite, if you're going to inspire your husband, inspire him to do something good. Amen. Pushing to do what is right by the Lord, not what you want, not because you feel certain things. And in doing so, some of the things you're going to incite him to do, you ain't going to like. Now, what's the point of my message today? It's been said that men are the high priests of their home. Now, that's not a biblical statement, but the principle is valid. The function of a high priest, brother, is to intercede on behalf of his family. His responsibility, the high priest, should not be delegated to another. This is the main point of the message. The role of the high priest is similar to that of Jesus. The role of the husband in the Bible starts with leadership. Leadership simply means influence. Therefore, a Biblically-based husband should influence his wife in accordance with Biblical teaching. Scripture makes it very clear that the husband must be a leader of his home and have a healthy control of his lifestyle. 1 Timothy 3 and 5 says this, If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can you take care of God's church? Amen. Yeah, I know. Men, we are to love our wife as Christ loved the church. But no one can die in Jesus' place. And God gave him the privilege of being at his right hand to intercede for us. No angel, no power, no principality or man can assume that responsibility. No one but Jesus. And if we are going to be a mirror of Christ's church, there are certain responsibilities that a man cannot, y'all hear me, cannot delegate. Can't do it. And I want to just deal with three. We'll be closing up. Number one, authoritative discipline. Nowhere in the Bible does it tells us that women are supposed to be the disciplinary of the house. Nowhere. And fellas, when we put our wives in that position, that they're the one that has to do discipline, we are not in the will of God. Sorry, but that's the truth. Ephesians 6 and 4 says, Father should raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nurture has to do with care. But admonition has to do with confrontation. I used to, I used to really reject this until I saw it in the Bible. Because I, a lot of times Ann would allow me to do certain things in the house. And I didn't want to be the bad guy. Because the only time I had, had a conversation with my son at one time, it was always, boy, you did this. And, boy, you did wrong. But after looking at this scripture, I'm the one supposed to be doing that. So you place her in a position that shouldn't be. And I've given this example before. My wife has a small SUV. I have a truck. I can put a hitch on, on Ann's car and pull my boat. But it wasn't designed to haul my boat. My truck was. She was not designed to be the bad woman in the house. You were. Boy, show sure was quiet in here. Number two, you men are supposed to be an example of how to love. This ain't got nothing to do with the bedroom. It got everything to do with how that child sees you relate to their mother. I don't know why some of y'all look like y'all ashamed to hold hands in front of your kids. You ashamed the kids in front of your kids. How else they going to know? how to be gentle if they don't see it. And never, never, ever, you ain't ever supposed to put your hand on a woman, but definitely don't do it in front of a child. The last one, men, you're supposed to be physical protectors. That's more than going out and buying food and making sure the bills are paid. Jeremy spoke of him and Jayla's relationship. I know he got a relationship with all the kids, but she's the youngest. need to let her know that she can come to him anytime about any situation. I, I don't know if y'all saw the commercial, but this girl is outside and she's distressed and all of a sudden you see a, a man driving a car and he's just driving all kind of fast and he gets there and she gets in and And she said, thanks, Dad. He said, I was in the neighborhood. He wasn't in the neighborhood, but he made a beeline to where that trouble was. Young ladies need to know that Dad's got their back. Brothers, when we allow our wives to step in our role, whatever they do, we're going to be held responsible for The relationship between your husband and wife is meant to be one of love, respect, and support. So make sure she's the right fit. Make sure she's a helper and not a herder. Well, pastor, I got mine now. And she don't fit. Yeah. Well, sometimes when the square peg don't fit into a round hole, you got to do something. You got to take some fine grit sandpaper. Not, not rough. That fine grit sandpaper and begin to rub those rough comas. Sometimes you got to get you a chisel, and 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 that hard decor that she's got, you just got to chisel it off with loving caresses. Sometimes you got to cut some bad angles. With the word of God. And if that don't work, brothers, then you gotta widen yourself so she'll fit you. Cause sanding ain't gonna work. If the corners are steel, you can't chill the line. You can't cut aluminum, yeah. but you can put some heat to you and widen yourself. Yes, and when she fits, yes, get you some yes, iron and put it together. Yes, but you can't do it in yourself. We all need the Holy Spirit. And I know on Wednesday night, that's what y'all been talking about. Need the Holy Spirit in order to do it. And you can't get the Holy Spirit without having the Father and the Son. So I'm going to introduce you to one that can make non fittable fit. You can turn the hurt one into a helper. You'll stand with me. Let me introduce you to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, one who came down in flesh and died for us. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.